0: Hello, listener. Welcome to Marching In, a dedicated Southampton FC podcast hosted by me, Luke Innes, and Sam Apperton. Music comes from Lawrence Norton. If you want to stay up to date with the pod and find out about future guests and upcoming episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Marching In Pod. Welcome, listener, to a brand new season, Uh, brand new season, both in the Premier League sense and also Marching Incense. We are back and I am delighted to be joined in the sort of metaphorical studio, Sam Appleton. How are you doing, Sam?
1: Yeah, I'm good. It feels like I haven't been away. Just summer seems to have absolutely flown by with uh yeah, really get going again.
0: Yeah, it has. It's gone quickly. I think there's also been sort of enough football, specifically with the women's Euros to keep that keep that fix served somewhat. How good was last night?
1: Yeah, it was great. I mean, it's taken me I'll be honest, it's taken me a little while to probably get involved in it due to like um well mainly being on early shifts at the moment. I'm gonna stay up and watch it, but Definitely since the Spain game, i got quite into it. And
0: um, yeah, yes, that's great. I mean I think Leah is brilliant. I think she would definitely do a job for us. Yeah, I know. You uh, the mic went a little bit funny, but Sam said that he thinks Leah Williamson could do a job for us. Uh, yeah, just class. And I touched on this before we we started, but I've just been feeling a little bit emotional. So fingers crossed that I won't start, you know, welling up. Sam, we have got a lot to get through and I'll go through sort of a a loose agenda. We're going to talk about the summer. As you said, it's flown by, but we have spent over £50 million without selling a single player for a fee, shall we say. So there's a lot to unpack there. We will talk a little bit about pre-season, what we've noticed in terms of the, the friendly games, but then we'll get into the early fixtures for Saints and indeed a conversation about Spurs on Saturday we have also got a 15 minute conversation with Michael Bridge from Sky Sports News so one of Samuel's colleagues who is a Spurs fan and expert I guess we would say talks around yeah all things Tottenham Hotspur to preview that game properly and talk a little bit about what they've done over the summer because they've been pretty active <music> Sam, we will start with new faces through the door. I want to I want to talk a little bit about yeah what you what you see here what excites you where maybe we still need to strengthen because it's been a pretty active summer from Saints.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean we've definitely filled positions we needed to. Obviously it's been filled with players that I mean we don't really know a lot about and they're, they're obviously risks. I mean, it seems like Gavin Bozzurri will probably start the season as our number one, and a player who's had a couple of seasons and four seasons in the lower leagues. Uh, was, it, was it Rochdale? Now, obviously, our friend's down the road last season where he was their player of the season, and by all accounts, he was, he was excellent for them. Um, yeah, it seems like he's ready to go straight in, which is a big step. It seems like he's ready. So, um I went to the Villarreal game the other day, didn't have too much to do. I mean, I mean, neither keeper did, really, in terms of actual saves to make. But he seems, he's very quick off his line, which is a criticism. has often been put towards Forster, so who's obviously left now, uh, Alex McCarthy. Always been a quite, quite a static goalkeepers, Whereas it seems Bizzouna is very natural in coming out to, get, to sweep and clear the ball. So yeah, I'm glad he seems like he's going to start on Saturday. In terms of the other the other signs, I mean, the, obviously a lot a lot of younger players. Apart from Joe Arriba, who I'm quite excited about. I mean, he seems to, to gives a bit more creativity and hopefully end product. I mean, the goal he scored of the weekend. I mean, I mean you can't expect expect him to do that every week, but <laughs> yeah, it's something special. And if you can do that. Just if that's just a glimpse of what he can do for us, then yeah it's a really exciting exciting signing i mean he's, he's obviously done it for Rangers on the big stage of scoring the Europa league final last season mm-hmm. done it done it for them in other games in Europe and um yeah just be interesting to see how he slots in, but it seems like he's the add to our creativity which is desperately needed in terms of the other players we brought in I mean Lavia also seems like he, he will probably go straight into the team, which is a bit of a, I would say a surprise, but looking at what we've done in terms of, like, Libramento last season, it's probably not, to be honest. Bringing someone from a higher club and then them coming in with someone more experienced like Romain.
0: I guess, Sam, just to come in there, it probably makes sense to frame this for the listener and for us in terms of the Joe Shields component to our, Mm. our transfer activity. Um, Obviously, he seems to have had a huge impact even before he kind of was officially announced as our new head of senior recruitment on our dealings. And I guess something that maybe has slightly gone unnoticed is he seems to have quite a personal relationship with a lot of the players that he has both brought to Saints and also brought through at, at Man City. I think there was also... Correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, but a connection with Joe Aribo from his his Charlton days, or there was an agent link between him yeah, yeah. and Joe Aribo's um yeah representation. So as you say, like there is a there is a big risk and some big kind of caveats and unknowns around our dealings. But it does feel like, specifically in the case of Bazuno and Lavia, as you say. Who Joe Shields, I assume, was directly responsible for bringing from City, that they are going to be playing first team Premier League football pretty much from game one.
1: Yeah, I mean, as we say, it's a risk, but the thing I like is there's clearly a plan and a strategy. We brought in this guy from Man City, Joe Shields, and we brought him in for for very good reasons to bring in players like this, players that are, who
0: wouldn't, who
1: other clubs probably wouldn't look at and think, yeah, they're they're game ready, they're, they're, they're ready to get, go straight into the first team. Yeah. It's a risk, especially for a club in our situation because risk, if, if it backfires then we're, we're bang in trouble. But the club are clearly looking at it and thinking it's a risk we're willing to take and a risk we probably need to take because we know that obviously it's great that we spend as you said, 50 million plus on players, but we're not going to be spending, I mean, as you've seen with in fact, we're probably not going to be signing Amanda Broza now. We're not going to be able to push up to the thirty million pound mark for a player. It's just not what we do. It's obviously shown with Armel Balakotchap as well. Who I mean, whether he'll go straight into the team, I'm not too sure. But it seems like we changed the system as well to try and yeah, a, a maybe aid these players in terms of get in terms of being match ready, and b also sort of um helping them in terms of getting used to just, just trying to be, I mean, we need to stop shipping goals basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll get onto the system as well in a a sec when we talk about the pre-season games, but it does seem like a noticeable shift. And like you say, like a clear plan around the profile of player that we're signing, irrespective of if this blows up in our face and we finish rock bottom, like, you sort of have to commend the guts behind this strategy and whether that's specifically sport republic or you know others that are sort of involved in the club like it does seem like they are having a big say on that but there's also others from the existing sort of setup that are involved too like it is it is pretty fucking fun to see how this all turns out like maybe you'd want this in like some sort of simulation where you, you don't have to live and breathe it as a saints fan but like wow I think there's a lot of people looking at our dealings as a club this summer and thinking that is a really interesting sort of track that they're they're looking to to take and not really one that's been sort of specifically pursued I think I was thinking about Palace's dealings a little bit but you know there was also I think a little bit more um, experience in terms of genuine top flight experience that was brought into that club and players who had had good records in the championship, for instance. Like we are pulling players who really don't have that sort of pedigree as such. I appreciate Bazuni had a couple of good seasons at League One. And actually just on Bazuni because I think it makes sense to to talk about, given the lengths that we went to last um, season to talk about our goalkeeping issues, like he does seem very very good and composed and confident and it's it's kind of that mental thing of like god it's just nice to see someone else in the sticks that isn't either of our two goalies that sort of fought out of the spot last season or willie caviera at 40 years old like it, it is good to have something someone so imposing and i also thought about the goalkeeper position in one that potentially translates to a higher level, easier than others. And I I was thinking about this and I don't know enough about, you know, the sort of ins and outs of how a goalkeeper would be judged at League One versus the Premier League. But in terms of, yeah, maybe dealing with slightly more accurate shots or or better finishing, like for me feels one that actually like 100% this person should be our number one, but also maybe we'll kind of adjust to the Premier League easier than other younger players we've signed.
1: Yeah, and also you look at him, and, and as much as he, as he as a club level, he's only played against League One players at, at best. He, international level, I mean, you've seen him save a penalty in Cristiano Ronaldo. He's played really well against yeah. Portugal. He's played well against Serbia. I mean, they're both very, very good international size. I mean, there's small, a small sample size, but he, yeah, he just looked, just looks ready. just looks very, very ready. I mean, there's, probably bite, there's a probably bite in the arse next week when he that's one for his legs and and let's Kane (laughs) score, but it just, it does look very promising for him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There was that save, wasn't there, that did the rounds from Mm -hmm. our opening preseason game against Leipzig, which you, you just, you know, again, we we don't want to like completely turn the spotlight onto our two failing keepers in the past, but there's just no way in my mind that either of those makes a save like that. And we kind of felt both of us that we were conceding goals through obviously very poor defense and poor defensive structure, but also shots that just should have been saved. (laughs) And if we can kind of add that, I I do think it's going to improve our, our, our defensive kind of stats and also hopefully the likelihood of getting absolutely hammered as we do seem to do most seasons, but who knows, like you say, these could well be famous last words. Any other signings that we want to t- touch upon? I think you've talked about Ariba a little bit, Sam. For me, probably seems like the one that, from an attacking sense, is the one to get most excited about right, right now. Suku um, Mara from Bordeaux seems a very exciting signing. We spoke about it when it was made. He had an excellent um, Toulon tournament and looks to be, from you know the, the clips I've seen, a striker that, you know, has pace, power, is good at finishing, but Ralph has already started to temper maybe the excitement around that. Just making some comments on his off the ball game from Saturday, but yeah, Arebo seems to be that one that we can genuinely get like excited about that created creativity that we just haven't had.
1: Yeah, in terms of Mara, I mean, I, as I said, I was at the game on Saturday, and um, he, yeah, he, he did struggle, but. I mean, I mean, what has he been in the country like less than a week, and I know he's never going to be up to speed in that time. It's just it's just clear it's, just, it's purely to give him minutes to try and get himself match ready. He's not going to be anywhere near learning what we do, or I mean, we're le- the whole team's learning a new system at the moment, let alone him. But yeah, from he does look an exciting prospect, but it may take some time for him to be ready. It may be maybe not quite as long as we had to wait for for Salisu, but. In terms of being match ready, maybe a little bit of awake, but yeah, I think he could make an impact from the bench from time to time. But yeah, it'll just be interesting to see where he fits in if we are if we are like changing up a our defensive our defensive um, lineup, but, but then how that affects us in terms of what, where we can put players in attack.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting one. We're kind of like. Delving into the pre season games, which probably makes sense to go into because we'll chat about that and new signings and, and how we're shaping up. But against Monaco last week, we ended the game with Joe Rebo and Stuart Armstrong as effectively the kind of two furthest players forward. If you want to call them strikers, then that's fine. But it does seem like we're attempting something different around those attacking sort of spots and how they maybe interchange. I think it's looked like maybe at times we've just played with. One, maybe you could call it a three. I don't know, but the system has changed ultimately, and it seems like from every single preseason game we've played that three-five-two or, or however you want to kind of frame it, that seems like the preferred system going into the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly needed a change. I mean, I had to I had to remind myself earlier really about just how god awful those last twelve, thirteen games were last season. Jeez. Um, Something had to change. We got to a point where we couldn't attack and we couldn't defend. Which, in the Premier League, if you can't attack, you can't defend. You're going to get relegated. We <laughs> were lucky enough at the end of last season that we had enough points accumulated already from our good little run around Christmas New Year. And I think Ralph is very aware that with these this, this new investment and the way he finished last season, he's it's an exciting time for him. But also, it's time where he's under massive pressure because we've got a tough we've got a tough old start to the season in terms of in terms of the fixture list, and if we're right, I mean if we say we only pick up one win from the first ten games or two wins in the first ten games, he's 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 up against it. He really is up against it because you can tell at the end of last season the fans are losing patience, so he knows he's got to do something. But I just I worry that. The thing I worry about is with five at the back, is or three at the back, however you want to word it. We haven't got we haven't got the best centre backs anyway, and you're now putting in an extra one of those who aren't that good. I wonder if some of the reasoning behind it is our lack of. I mean, obviously, Pros played a few minutes in the last couple of games, but other than that, we're sort of stuck with Junepa left wing back, which is a bit of an issue. Other than that, we haven't got we haven't got a rock. We haven't got a left wing back, which I mean, we'll get on to, in a minute, we'll, what, what else we need. But I, I think we're desperately in need for uh, full cover.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hugely. And it, it kind of seems quite strange, doesn't it, talking about how excited we are around the investment. But, like, okay, you know, you, you actually wouldn't be surprised if, come Saturday, we have potentially Gineppo left wing-back and Jan Valery right centre-back.
1: Yeah,
0: and And I think, you know, ultimately... Those two players have looked quite improved in pre-season, but we sort of know what we're getting. I like it, It's quite rare for a player of that profile to make a considerable leap to where they are dependable in the Premier League. You know, unless you're, you know, a young prospect prospect to ultimately the, the kind of ceiling is unknown for, for a player like that. But with these two players, it does feel like we know what we're getting. And that is sort of, yeah, maybe to temper some of the excitement around those signings does feel like we desperately need to strengthen in, in both of those two areas there is also the component of Jan Bednarek who, I mean there are these sort of maybe slightly intangible rumours that keep cropping up that he could well be on his way out but how do you see maybe him and Valerie fitting into that back three if at all
1: the trouble is we just, I mean neither of them are that good, I mean Bednarek has, you know, in terms of mentally, he's been, when was he last in the right frame of mind to play? I, mean, I spoke at length in the last week about that Man City game where he,
0: yeah,
1: they sacked off because of because of international because of future international fixture. And I mean, Valerie has looked better as his right centre back, but I still think he's next to waiting to happen. So I mean, ideally, you could ship both of them off and get a better centre back in, which I, I would love. I'd love someone like Levi Will that's been heavily linked with us over the summer, but yeah, it seems like there's rumours of. Mark Kukurea going to Chelsea now and it seems like yeah, Cole Will yeah. could go the other way. But, um, yeah, it just seems like all of a sudden we've made all, we think, oh yeah, we've made all this investment. And then, as you said, we're going to end up playing players that shouldn't be anywhere near the first team and at Spurs at the weekend or even players that really should have been shipped out already.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's a, it's a really strange one, isn't it? In the sense that, and I think to caveat that conversation, Ralph has also said that we will be active, both in terms of incomings and outgoings, once a season starts. And obviously the season starts earlier than it, it kind of normally does, um, due to the World Cup. But it, it is it is a strange one. And the system and and you know, Ralph being flexible there is interesting. And actually something that we we spoke about a little bit on, I think our last pod of the the season was. The lack of support that Ralph had in terms of his coaching setup, but that has had a complete, you know, reshape in terms of Ruben Sellers, who comes with a very good record. And I think from bits I've seen on Twitter, a very good record for um defensive coaching, which there's just no, no doubt that Ralph needed so much support. And I think you look at the best managers that, you know, are in the Premier League right now, they have a huge network of you know, or, or maybe even like a, not necessarily a huge network, but a network of coaches around them they depend on, they can, you know, bounce things off. And it's like, it's just, it was so clear that he needed support. And there's also been Alex Clapham who's come in from, um he was at Knott's County, I believe. And then Carl Martin as well, who's made the step up. But like, it does seem like we have just made a lot smarter decisions around that setup, that it isn't all on Ralph. And I think we, we kind of spoke at length about just ultimately him being on his own and, and a lot of the decisions came down to him and him looking quite stressed at times, him making sort of bizarre comments about players in post-match press conferences, all this kind of stuff. It can't have been easy for the guy, but we've introduced new coaches, which is also kind of a, a new setup for us as well. And that must have, I think, had an impact on uh, the, the tweak in system that we've clearly seen in pre-season.
1: Yeah, you, you'd think so. I mean, as you said, Ruben Sellers is very, like, a very good defensive coach and it's clearly what we've needed. I mean, I'm not sure how good an offensive coach Ralph is. I mean, judging over the last few, few seasons, not not great. <laughs> yeah, and also with these the change of the coaching stuff in terms of the ones who went out, like Dave Watson, Calvin Davis, of course, it also got to a point where it was such a bad end to the season. There was rumours of right, we're going to get rid of these coaches, but you're going to stay. And it's almost like next time we have to make a change, it will be you. So, yeah. it's, it's, it, again, it's, ad, it's added pressure on Ralph, which we, they need to hit the ground running. I mean, we, 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 know, we, we know how bad our record is at the start of the season. And I can't remember the last time we actually started a season well. I mean, it might have been when we the back in the championship, which seems like an awful long time ago. <laughs> And um, yeah, I mean, it's a tough old fixture for, on Saturday. But obviously, Leeds is, a, is an opportunity for three points, which I think they need it because even after that, our, our games are so tough.
0: We can come on to the opening fixtures now, if you want, Sammy, because I think we've covered enough in terms of yeah. incomings, tactically. You know where we're at. I guess. Maybe just to sort of close it off, we probably, as you say, need at least one more um, full-back cover. I think we'd agree on that. A centre-back is needed. And like you say, I, I, I was pretty excited about Levi Cole, Cole. It seemed to me like in that kind of Joachim Anderson, Mark Gahey sort of type player that had really excelled at championship level and was ultimately ready to make that step up. It looks unlikely, even though people got a bit excited, I think, when they saw his Instagram um, last Wednesday when he was at the game. Um, But obviously, he's a Southampton boy. What else do we need? And I think there's been comments on the fact that there will definitely be one more attacking player coming in. Do you see that as being a striker or would you prefer it to be like a creative sort of 10 player?
1: I'm very very torn on this because I think we do definitely need a striker. But I look at it and I think, who's supplying it? We haven't ever, since Talis left. Our creativity, our creativity of players, has been very, very lacking. And um, you rely on Wall Prowse. I mean, as good as his set of pieces are, he's not the most creative of midfielders. And I would love us to sign a a very good attacking like a like a ten or something like that. But again, they cost a lot of money. But. I think if I had to choose, it would, would be an out-and-out striker because, obviously, they can make something out of nothing. They can get on to the end of crosses. They can get on to the end. They can beat, hopefully beat a player. Brozier would have been ideal. I don't buy the whole... when the end of the last season, people say, oh, yeah, he sacked it off. He sacked it off the last few months. He was rubbish the last few months. The whole team was rubbish the last few months. Yeah, let's,
0: we were dreadful. Let's
1: be honest. I mean, he, he may have had some bad games, but I, I think he's... The striker we definitely need, the the exact profile of striker we need. He's quick, he's young, he can finish. It seems like that ship may have sailed. Liam Delaps, obviously been mentioned, but it seems like Man City are very reluctant to let him go on a permanent deal anyway, because it seems like he may be off to Stoke for the season, which is a shame because he seems, again, that sort of profile of striker. But yeah, I mean, the trouble is with strikers, everyone wants a 15, 20 goal striker a season and they're not cheap. And I mean, if, if, if we've got 20, 25 million aside for, for a striker, then great. But it's probably what's going to have to be paid.
0: Yeah, yeah. It does seem like we're willing to go up to that amount, which, to be honest with you, sort of what you get throughout the summer is that signings are your your sort of currency as a club, right? And I've seen... Leicester fans booting off, Bournemouth fans similar, like at least we've been active. And now getting to the point where, you know, we're getting close to 20 million bids rejected for someone like Liam Delap, who is a very exciting striker, exactly that profile that I think you've, you've articulated well. Like we're in a position, it feels like, to sign. If it's not a striker, a very exciting attacking player. So I, I have faith based on what I've seen in terms of our dealings across the summer, that we will, we will do that. It's just like, like you say, it's almost that chicken and egg thing, whether it's creativity or someone to finish chances. I personally feel if we start the season with Armstrong, Adams, and and Sekumara, like it's not an awful place to be if we sign a genuinely kind of creative player in that 10 position. And someone of, we're obviously never going to get him, but someone of James Madison's ilk, I think, is that player that we have been lacking, as you say, since Tadic left. And ultimately, the creativity that we have is reserved for set pieces or potentially Armstrong and now Aribo driving at players. I do trust, and I think we saw this for Stuart Armstrong's goal against uh, Monaco, Aribo's ability to pick out good passes in attacking areas. So I think that we've got an option there. But if we genuinely want to be competitive in this league, we need more. And, I'm really torn, as you say, around whether it's that like genuine sort of striker or creativity behind it. And just before we kind of wrap on the on the team as it sits right now, what did you make of Ralph's comments around Oriol Romeo playing further forward? If you saw those, Sammy.
1: I did see those and it's nonsense.
0: <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He can
1: score. I mean, I think he scored about six goals. He joined us, what, seven years ago? That was
0: the bizarre thing, actually, because we actually saw it in the Monaco game a little bit where I was like, you know what? He Technically, you know, he's good. Like, he gets himself out of tight spots and can pick a pass. But Ralph's comments around him, like, being that late runner into the box, that was the thing that was really bad. Like, I think he probably could play, like, a not a bad, like, knitting together of attacking areas, all right. But he's not that player, is he?
1: No, I think he maybe gets a bit... Modern his word sometimes, Ralph. I, yeah, I give, yeah, fair. I may give him the be- may give him the benefit of the doubt because, ugh, yeah, it's not it's not going to happen, is it? I mean, I think there's a lot of panic on social media. That the fact is, oh my god, we're not going to another <laughs> attack because Oriol Ori- Ori- Romay is going to be our number ten now. But no, I don't, <laughs> I just, I don't see that happening. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's nonsense, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, fair. I guess just one more comment on on this. I've genuinely not wanted a player to succeed more than Adam Armstrong. Just like willing him on in every game he's playing in preseason, and I really hope the fucking rumours about him going on on loan end. But yeah, any thoughts on that?
1: I just don't. I just don't see it with him at school. Uh, I mean, no,
0: you're not a believer.
1: When when Adams came in and he struggled that first season, I, you could sort of see. it. You had those few games. I remember Sheffield United away when he hit the post, and he made a really good save. And he had other chances in different games, but he hit the post against someone as well. Um, Yeah, you sort of thought, oh, if if, if he gets a goal, we can really hit the ground running now. But at the moment, I just don't see it. I just don't see what what attributes he brings. He's not really that quick. He doesn't really. <laughs> he's not that good in the ball. He shoots. He, he, I mean, I've never seen someone have so many shot blocks. I guess it's because he's a good championship striker and in that league if you get the shot up quickly you're probably going to score or you've got more chance to score whereas the Premier League is a massive step up and defenders are ready for it. But yeah I wouldn't be on I wouldn't honestly be that surprised if we didn't end up going. But really yeah, I, mean, well, I, I, mean, uh... I, I I always want our players to succeed but I just don't see I just don't see it with them at all.
0: You make not a bad argument, but I think for me it's like more of an emotional thing where you just <laughs> see the guy trying his little heart out and uh, I don't know I'd be interesting to know if he gets a genuine like run of minutes and who knows what we're going to start the season with in terms of striking sort of options and we can pivot to Spurs in the opening games now but it just I'd be really intrigued to know what he ends up this season with but like you say but he's not he's actually not my sort of footballer in the sense that he like doesn't do the right thing often, like he shoots far too quickly and looks to rush things. We've got loads of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've got plenty of those. Why not give it to someone that we don't really know if he could make it at this level? Who knows, mate? Who knows? Okay, we will move on to our opening fixtures. Your chat with Bridgie. Shouldn't really be calling him, Bridgie, in that I've never met the guy and he's your colleague, Sam. Michael Bridge, Sky Sports News reporter, will be coming in later down the pod. So we're not going to spend ages on the Spurs game because that's a really thorough conversation on what they've done across the summer and how we might fare on Saturday. Our opening games are Spurs, Leeds, Leicester. And then we have two home games, I believe, against United and Chelsea. That's our opening five fixtures. If we begin with Spurs, how well do you think we're gonna begin the season?
1: Not well. I mean, I know who won their last season, but I just don't see it. i just, I've really I think they're they're looking very strong. I mean I'll go into it a lot with Michael later on, but yeah, they just had a very good summer there. I mean, it may be a good time to play and first game the season catch them a bit cold, but I just I think we're gonna massively struggle Kane and Son love playing against us and we're gonna be yeah, a team that's playing the system that we're not used to. They, it might not, it may not be pretty.
0: They feel legitimately like the third best team in the league coming into the season, don't they? I think. I think Arsenal potentially have strengthened areas they needed to, but a bit of an unknown. They've had a good preseason by all accounts, but like Conte is yeah, Mr. manager. yeah, yeah, the third, yeah, third yeah. Manager, yeah, third best manager, you know, probably in in European football. Um, like he 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 will get a tune out of this squad, and I think you cover it. I'm sure in your conversation with um with Michael, but the transfers seem to be like a rubber stamp of what Conte wants, and I think there were some rumours from. Um, the weekend's game that they played, that Perisic and I think it will be Doherty to start the season, but their wing backs could just be so so threatening. So to add that to the firepower, uh, as of you say, Kane, Son, you know Richarlison, Kulisevski, I know Richarlison's out of Saturday's game, but yeah, yeah, it's it's not a not a good prospect, I don't think, for Saints. I think we'll get beat. What is your score prediction?
1: Three one Spurs.
0: I, I would almost be happy with that, mate. That sounds ridiculous, right? But I, I think it could. I just feel like we are we are not there yet in terms of either personnel or getting used to this shape. And I think we've shown some really good flashes in pre season, but we could get caught cold, in my opinion, on on yeah. Saturday. But I mean, it's when, just when, like
1: when we God. beat them there. Like, when we beat them there last season, we were sort of like in our groove. We were, yeah. You know, I know they they were bad and the night defensively, but we were in our groove. We couldn't have played any better than we did whereas it's almost a polar opposite this time where they're they're looking very sharp and we're still sort of finding our feet with different things.
0: Exactly that. Exactly that, Sam. And again, we'll leave the the Spurs conversation to more informed uh, individuals than (laughs) myself, at least. But yeah, I I think it's going to be a really tough day at the office. If we think about more broadly from those five games, I think a, a couple of tweets are now doing the rounds on how many points Saints fans predict they'll get from those opening games. Where where do you put that number at? I know we like to do this a little bit, and we will not, you know, drag it up on our next pod. But yeah, how do you think we'll uh, we'll do from those first five fixtures?
1: Four points. And where are they coming? I think we'll beat Leeds, and I think we'll
0: draw with May United. Fair. Yeah, I think a point from. Either I think we'll draw with Man United.
1: I think we'll draw with Man United. All chances.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. Actually, I think a point from either of those games I can probably see us getting. Um, in that, sort of similar to quite a few teams, including us, both of those sides are figuring out, you know, where they're at. Tuchel's made some interesting comments about Chelsea. Ten Hag, I think, will do a good job at United, but it's early days. And then, yeah, the Leeds and Leicester games probably are two games that we should target to get points from. I, I'm just cautious to to think that we will beat Leeds. They're a bit of an unknown quantity. They've made a, quite a few signings and, mm. yeah, obviously lost two really important players, but it's going to be very interesting, I think, to start the season just seeing how these different teams fare.
1: Yeah, as you said, Leeds are a massive unknown quantity. Losing Phillips and Rafinha is big. But they've got Banford sort of seems to be back on, on full fitness now. He did cause us problems yeah. a couple of years ago twice. And, um, I just to Jack Harrison. They brought in quite a few new players. Is it Tyler Adams they brought in from Leipzig? He yeah, like quite, and uh, uh,
0: Aronson player. from from yeah. Salzburg and um, the young so Sierra as well. For, from, from five, yeah, yeah. yeah, I I think I saw a Leeds. Fan, I follow a couple of Leeds fans um, on Twitter. I think Sinister is going to miss the first couple of weeks of the season. But he, I think, for Leeds fans is like, God, we've replaced Rafinha really well, you know. And I don't know enough about him, but I think he's a very exciting winger. Um, but Aronson is probably the kind of main unknown within that, like an attacking midfielder who, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be at St. Mary's, but I'm really interested to see how, how we um, start our home campaign because actually in our home fixtures for the first half of last season, we were really strong, weren't we? Like we looked really solid, looked really tough to beat. And if you can cast your mind back, Sam, past the dross that was the final half of the season... Um, we we had a pretty decent start to our home, um, yeah, fixtures.
1: Yeah, it all came crashing down. We played Newcastle in that March, time, didn't it? I mean, the whole season came crashing down then. But yeah, we only lost to Wolves, didn't we, up until up until then? Yeah, the home, the yeah. home, form's, the home form's massive. I mean, i not saying Leeds is a, a must-win or anything like that. You look at games like that against teams like Leeds, probably Brentford, Forest, Bournemouth, Fulham, team, teams of that ilk. Especially at home, you used to be look, looking at those fiction thinking massive opportunities, massive opportunities to win.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I may
1: be, I may be wrong, but I can't remember the last time we actually won our first home game this season. That's it a nice may, optimistic. It might point be as far. I I, I may need to check this. I should have checked before the pod started, the pod, but I'm not sure we have since you since we got promoted. And I'm what sure. would
0: that have been? It would have been. Would it have been it Leeds then? Would have been
1: the, I think it would have been Leeds. I think the last time we played Leeds. 3-1.
0: First
1: home game might have been the last we won. Of, I'll probably get someone correct to me. Because I think under Coombe, we might have won our first home game at some point. But.
0: We don't have enough listeners for someone to correct your Sam. You can say whatever the fuck you want. You want to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. and you know who would it have been there for in that win against Leeds, who obviously we're playing our first home game against, friend of the pod, and guess from last season, Dean Hammond, scored the opening goal, did he not?
1: He did, yeah. That was a cracking goal as well.
0: Yeah, fine, it was. Um, Sam, I did have a note here to just ask you your broader prediction for the season and where we'll finish. To be honest with you, I just feel like it's a complete shot in the dark. I would like to personally reserve some judgment until a couple of weeks into the season. But do you want to put you know, a position against it or how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah,
0: I'll go 15th. And if someone offered you 15th now?
1: Yes. (laughs) Done. Yes, yes. End, End the season now.
0: Affirmative from Sam. All right, lovely stuff. Well, at some point, the listener will get your conversation with Michael Bridge. We might pop it in here because to continue the Spurs theme, and we did this the opening pod of last season perhaps a little tradition um for us but there is a quiz coming up for sam to answer and they are saints sort of spurs questions they're linked to both teams in some way i think (laughs) uh let's see how how you get on sam are you ready there's no pen and paper needed just shout out your answer we'll go as as i'll ever be So, I mean, for those that maybe didn't listen to episode one from last season, I think we did, was it Everton, our opening game? I think we did like a uh, Saints-Everton
2: quiz.
0: And Sam just was impeccable. He didn't put a foot wrong. So let's see (laughs) if he can follow that up. Okay, famous result for Saints in 2003. We beat Spurs 4-0 in the FA Cup. Who scored Saints' third goal?
1: Ooh. It's either Joe Tesson or Anders Svensson. I think it's Joe Tesson.
0: It's incorrect, Sam. Ooh. Fair play. Joe Tesson did score, but it was our second. Anders Svensson got our third. So you did call out both names, but I will have yeah, to take wrong, Joe Tesson. Wrong, as your wrong answer. way around. Just, was... If we ignore both Fraser, that. And Pierre Emil Hoiberg, who was the last player to move to Spurs from Saints,
1: Victor Wanyama.
0: It's incorrect, Sam.
1: I'm the shocker.
0: Yeah, not a not a good start. They're separated by year. I will give you an, another go at this. If it's not Victor Wanyama, and I, I will just give you a slight clue, he is back in the Premier League. Mike. He's a tough one. Maybe I've gone too hard given your track record, Sam. Apologies on that front. All
1: right. Um, what position is
0: he? This, I think this will uh yeah, <laughs> slim down the option somewhat. He's a goalkeeper.
1: Oh, buddy isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is Paolo Gazzaniga. Question oh, wow. three. Who did Danny Ings flick the ball over? in our 1-0 win against Spurs in January 2020?
1: Toby Alderweireld.
0: He is on the board, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) One from three, it was Toby Alderweireld. Two, I mean, quite niche questions to finish on, Sam. So I have maybe a gut feeling you might finish on one, but it's basically an either-or answer to the final two. Did Glenn Hoddle have a better win percentage as manager for Saints or Spurs? Yeah, Saints did quite well. did pretty well for Saints. And you'd be right. It's two from four. He had a win percentage of 42% as Saints manager versus 39% for Spurs. So yeah, not a bad record at either club, to be honest with you, but better at Saints. And given you kind of Saints versus Spurs in terms of how big the clubs are, it's pretty impressive to do that. Who has scored more top-flight goals for Spurs? This is your final question, by the way, Sam. Gareth Bale or much-maligned Team of the Week architect Garth Crooks?
1: Yeah, Garth Crooks.
0: You will stay on two out of five, I'm Uh... afraid, Sam. I just wonder Bale,
1: why you put him in.
0: I wonder why you put him in there. That's it's close. It's close. No, fair enough to wonder. I just saw his name in the list, and you know, a wry yeah, smile, yeah. Um, you know, uh, was across my face, and then I thought I'm including him somehow. Bale uh, got 53 goals in the Premier League for Spurs, and Garth Crooks 48 top-flight goals for Spurs. Any you know self-assessment on, on how? That we're
1: going to blame it on the early
0: start this morning. Yeah. yeah. Listen, Sam is working sort of strange hours for Sky Sports News at the minute, but he tells me he's been up since four. So it's now, it's
1: now three o'clock, and I'm very Yeah, tired. but
0: no excuse from no excuses. No, I know you're. Um, you're even really though good. I sent even though I send <laughs> you're your own biggest critic, Sam. Not a bad showing, and I think, you know, some good some good thinking on a couple of the answers.
1: Dived and... in, dived in on that one
0: yama one. Bit like, bit like yeah. one bit like one yama. Exactly. Exactly. I saw his goal against Hull the other day. I forget how good that goal was.
1: Yeah. Wow. Not, I think my one yama highlights he saw against Swansea, did like a, a forward roll by the corner flare, but it was disallowed.
0: Yes. I uh, I do remember that lovely stuff Sam that'll do us we've spoken at length about the summer our system where we sit I guess it would be sort of remiss of us given what happened last night to not comment on the the women's team's transfer dealings across the summer as well um, but we have strengthened quite massively there seems to be a high turnover within the squad but including signing the championships top goal scorer from last season as well which is exciting um so yeah very much looking forward to both our men's and women's teams getting their seasons underway i think from what i've seen predicted that we will be really quite competitive in that championship and i think i saw somewhere that all of our home games for the women's side will be at st mary's as well this season which is really really exciting and it seems like our our b team and under 18s are, are looking pretty solid going into the The opening bit of the season, I think there's a 4-0 win for our B team, including some good football played there as well. So we, despite maybe the predictions over our opening five games, should be quite confident going into the season that there will be interesting uh, aspects to Saints as ever. If you were to finish, Sam, with how many signings we'll make between now and the end of the window as our sort of final statement from the pod and our final prediction, what are you saying?
1: I'm going to go with two more, maybe maybe one loan, maybe maybe a permanent
0: striker. Okay, interesting. I think Jacob Tanswell, who's taken over from Dan Sheldon Athletics, Athletic, said there are rumours that we might be making ten signings this season. Given we've already made six, that seems like the sort of strengthening that we will need if we are to. These
1: be some serious outgoings.
0: Yeah, geez. We haven't. We haven't actually sold a player for a for a fee. Will we sell a player for a fee? Do you think? Maybe Bar Bednarik.
1: Bloody well, hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, how much? Can, I how much can you get for some of them? There's, there's a lot of players, a lot of duff players, that are on in the last year. Their contract. You wonder if you're able to get yeah. any sort of fee for them.
0: Yeah. Well, mate, we'll see. Are you Are you going to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday?
1: I am indeed, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to a few pints. am not sure I'm looking
0: forward to the, the three o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, mate. I think that was the story for the second half of the season, wasn't it? <laughs> Last year. Looking forward to the day out more than what was happening on the pitch. I'm just buzzing for, yeah, the Premier League to start start Friday night, do not it? Is it Palace-Arsenal? Yeah. Yeah, it should be good going. Yeah, should be. Both very interesting sort of clubs and interesting to see where they lie coming into the season Sam we will leave it there listener thank you for staying the course enjoy Sam's conversation with Michael Bridge on all things Spurs we will be back I assume after the Leeds game that'll be two weeks from now won't it yeah yeah lovely stuff all right any final words for the listener Sam bring on the new season bring on the new season baby here we go
1: I'm delighted to say, listeners, I'm joined for the first part of the new season by um, Sky Sports reporter and Tottenham Hotspur fan, Michael Bridge. Bridgie, how you doing?
2: Yeah, good, mate. How are you?
1: Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Um, I'm guessing uh, you're pretty optimistic for this new season.
2: I have to say, yeah, um, because Tottenham are doing things I've not seen them do ever, really. Uh, and that's do very good business very early in the window. I mean, saying that, I don't think it's just Tottenham. I've, I've never known a June like it, to be honest, Sam. Um, the signings and the spending, I don't know whether it's because there's no Euros or World Cup at the moment, but it's been unbelievable really. I know it's slowed down a little bit now because clubs have gone on their tours, but January, uh, J- June was so, so busy. And in terms of Tottenham, I think they've done some really sensible business, really, really s- serious business in some areas as well. And they've really backed Antonio Conte. So, uh yeah, I'm. Uh, I think it's going to be a good season. I mean, there's going to be twists and turns, of course, but I mean, I, I think they're looking pretty strong, pretty strong now.
1: It must be a massive contrast. I mean, I mean, at the start of last season, when you were sort of scrambling around trying to find a manager from anywhere, ended up with um, Nuno Espirito Santo, which, ended, which turned into a bit of a disaster in the end. And then, luckily for you guys, Conte came in. But yeah, it must, must be a massive contrast to how you were feeling a year ago.
2: Well, I wanted, I wanted Conte last year, you know, when he left Inter Milan. I remember talking to my colleague, Carve. Carve texted me saying, you've got to get Conte. You know, he'll win you He'll win you things. He's, he's that good. Um, and then, obviously, there were talks, but he wasn't ready to come back in. You know, he, I think Inter took a lot out of him. He just won the league. And, you know, as you rightly say, it, it did turn into a bit of a mess. And, you know, Nuno Espirito-Santa was not right for Tottenham Hotspur. You know, you know it's... It, you could see that from the very start. He was always a bit cagey with journalists. He was a bit prickly with some of them. Just didn't seem like a Tottenham fit. Uh, it was funny, really, because I suppose I actually won the first three games. But um, I said on a few podcasts, and I got called out for this at the time, and I said, look, it is genuinely three games. I've I've, I've I've, not seen a lot for me to get overly optimistic as the season went on, and that proved to be the case. You know, The week after, losing to Palace 3-0 away, and they battered at Arsenal, uh, and then... Jamie Carragher did the autopsy on the North London Derby defeat. You know, the midfield, he said he'd seen more, there's less space on the moon. You know, it was it. And then in comes Conte and completely turns the season around. Spurs are in ninth. He comes in and they end up finishing fourth. Quite a turnaround, but he is that kind of manager. He's, he, he is one of the best in the world. He is one of the, the elites. And he's one who Daniel Levy really listens to. When Antonio Conte speaks, Levy seems to listen and again Grants him what he wants. You know, Ivan Perisic is is the main example for me. He's, he's just not a Daniel Levy slash Tottenham signing usually, but you know they're looking at the now, and um, yeah, they, they, you know it is exciting times. I mean, I'm I'm looking. I bought um, you know a Premier League preview guide on Monday, and I think like nine out of ten journos have got Tottenham to finish third. Tottenham being Tottenham, I'm sure something will happen to blow that up, but, <laughs> but um, it does it does show the strength they've got, and of, of course, Kane and Son. They'll have as well. And they've had very good pre-seasons. I've never seen Kane look so lean. Um, you know, it's been a really tough pre-season. But, um, yeah, I think they'll have a good season. I really do.
1: Yeah, slightly worried how good Kane's looking in pre season seeing his, his record against us normally. But um, mm. just delving a bit more into the the transfer deals that Spurs have done, how um, how excited are you? Especially by, like, obviously, you brought in the likes of Richarlison, Eve Basuma from Brighton... Then there's the sort of lesser-known players to Premier League fans anyway, like Clement Longley.
2: Mm.
1: How do you how do you see them fitting in?
2: Yeah, I think Eves Basuma will just go straight into that midfield. I think I think the midfield needed a bit of an upgrade. So Harry Winks is he will eventually leave the club. Basuma will come in and be alongside Cook. Hoybier will, will not like hearing that, but I'd imagine Bissouma and Bentoncourt will be the first choice front for midfield too. However, you know, Champions League, Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, you know, everyone's going to play, you know, and especially with five subs. Perisic is an upgrade on Reguion, who's, who will leave the club. You've got Richarlison, who is not a guaranteed starter, but he's banned for the Southampton game. So Kulusevski will start. That for me was the best signing in the January window, Kulusevski. Um is probably the one where people have sort of raised eyebrows he didn't really have a good spell at Barcelona. But I've always said, you know, if Antonio Conte wants him, that should be good enough for them, really. You know, he, Conte knows what he needs. Uh, they're looking for this left-sided centre-back. They've tried tried and tried and tried for Alessandro Bastoni from Inter Milan, but that didn't come off in the end. So I think Lenley was a backup option. They've got him in. Um, and even in the goalie department, you know, Piluigi um, Gallini, number two, Um, one of the most popular characters in the dressing room, but that doesn't keep out uh, shots, does it? You know, in, when you play Bayern Munich in the Champions League. So Fraser Forster was, an in, was a, a very sensible sign as a backup goalkeeper. And I think more, more will come in. I, I do think more. there's more to come. Whether they'll come in before Southampton, I don't know. And I probably don't think so. But I still think they're one or two short away from being Conte, being totally happy. And of course, in the start of, at the end of May, Um, Tottenham owner Daniel Levy announced a £150 injection into the club I don't think that's really been massively touched yet because of the incomings and a few outgoings so I still think there's a little bit to be done but every club would say that I suppose wouldn't they but um, yeah as it stands I think they're looking strong ahead of the first game
1: If you were to see anywhere else you could strengthen where, where would it be?
2: I think Tottenham lack a bit of creativity. So, I mean, I know there was talk about Christian Eriksen returning, um, and an offer was there. I don't know how interested they were in the end, but just someone in a midfield who can maybe unlock something or pick out a key pass. I think the midfielders are all pretty similar, sort of like good in front of the back four. But are they good enough to give you eight or nine or ten goals? There's been a few murmurings about James Madison. I think Spurs have always liked him from his commentary days, but that's going to be a really difficult one to do. Um, but I think maybe someone in the creative side in the midfield, Tottenham, will look to get in. I know they want to get another defender in, ideally, but this is all ideal scenarios. And I, I, I do have to say, I mean, they have to get rid of quite a few players as well on huge wages. You've got Tangay on the record signing, who's, who's not wanted. He's not training with the first team. Giovanni La who both of them, you know, they joined for 100 million three years ago. He's not wanted. Harry Winks isn't wanted. Region's not wanted. Out of those four, I'd probably say Reggion's the most likely to leave as we as we speak now. And then maybe Harry Winks, maybe near the end of the window. I think LaCelso and end up going back to La Liga, but I don't know where Endombello goes as as we speak now because he's on a lot of money. I don't think he's that bothered about leaving London just yet uh, and I don't and I think people look at him they're just not sure about maybe the attitude at the moment so they do need to sort out the outgoings as well before bringing anyone in
1: Great stuff um, looking back at last season of course two meetings between the sides in the Premier League There's a one all draw at St Mary's in um, late December before the well I think it was probably the highlight of many Saints fans season to be honest in terms mm. of that 3-2 win at um, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium I'm guessing, I mean, we're going to see a very, very different Tottenham team to what we saw in February and December of next next Saturday, aren't we?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, the one at Christmas, I think, you know, it was one of those right in the middle of Christmas fixtures. It could have gone either way. So I think, you know, I think Kane, I think Spurs should have won really looking at the chances they had in the second half. But, you know, I think no one was massively disappointed with a draw, but they were massively disappointed with that defeat, that midweek defeat. Funny old game that was two-in-and-throwing, back and forth. And I have to say, um, you know, that after that match was the um, was the Wolves match. They lost at home 2-0. I think Spurs were languishing in eighth. Conte questioned his future. Things were not looking good. So uh, it was quite the turnaround. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Southampton were, were full value for that win that day. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, they, it was down to Tottenham. You know, Southampton... You know, Ralph must have said something to the players and said, look, there's goals in this game. There's a weakness at the back for Tottenham. We should go and get some goals. And they did. So, you know, no qualms from me. It was a poor night for Tottenham, but a good one for Southampton.
1: Yeah, it was almost like a fork in the road, moment for both teams, really, because, I mean, that was our best performance, probably, in Ralph's tenure. Whereas, um, since then, Spurs have only gone from strength to strength and secured Champions League football for next season. Whereas, I mean, we've massively struggled since then. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you look at Saints now after um, as, as a team, as a team, and also like as a threat for ne- next weekend?
2: Um, for next weekend, I mean, a threat, a massive threat. You know, they're a Premier League team; they're an established Premier League team. You know, you know, it's been sold out for for ages. This game, everyone's going to be excited, and we we've seen countless times that the, these things have often sort of like fall flat on their faces. You know, so. If I'm a Southampton fan, I'm not going to think straight away, oh, Southampton, it's an easy Tottenham win. Yes, it's a good its a good start for Tottenham. Of course it is. It's a its a home fixture. Um, but saying that, you know, I, I, Southampton can go there and, and think maybe they can surprise Spurs on the day. I have to be honest, I, I, you know, I'm a little bit worried about Southampton this season. Um, maybe a little bit more firepower needed. Obviously, you've lost Broyer as well. Um, and I, I know you're doing a little bit of business now but uh, you know i, I just am slightly concerned uh, at looking at you this season um and I, and i hope i hope I'm not come the end of the season because I, I always like going to Southampton um and you' you're a very good club but I just just this season could be a difficult one as it stands but you've got a very very good manager less you know don't get me wrong but but saying that you know I'm looking around as well i'm I, I'm not sure if Bournemouth have got anything anywhere near enough to to sustain a, a, a survival challenge, I don't know if that's the right word, survival challenge, but but you know, and and Fulham, you know, they are a yo-yo team like Watford and Norwich. Forest have spending uh, huge amounts, but they uh, may be spending a little bit too much. So who who knows? I mean, we know you've got a very very good manager, but I'd probably be a, a slightly concerned at the moment as the season gets under. I don't know how you feel.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see us bringing a bit more firepower. I mean, there's a lot of unknown quantities we've brought in. It's a very risk. It's it's an exciting strategy almost. We're looking at, it at the moment we're bringing in these younger, unknown players, and all that, uh, but um, it's a very risky one, especially a club in our position. I mean, we've got ten years in the Premier League now, and this is the first time we've probably had proper investment. But it also means there's massive pressure on our manager. Which I mean, there were murmurs at the end of last season. There's a couple of games I went to that fans almost turned on him because of. I mean, we had one win in twelve games over the last, over the last um, at the back end of last season, and it was against Arsenal, so that helped you guys out. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. I think. I mean, I don't want to. I'm very, I'm very cautious against my predictions. I think we'll be just about okay, but it's very much unknown quantities. Who do you um, see as sort of the danger men for us next week?
2: Well, I mean, you know, James Wolfe, Prowse free kicks a penalty, isn't it, really? I mean, <laughs> you know, so, you know, <laughs> um, Chay Adams as well. Uh, and Carl Walker-Peters, if he starts, he'll, he'll want to impress. But um, I think Southampton collectively are a very good side. You know, if, if Romeo starts, there's a bat, there's a guaranteed battle in midfield there as well. Um, but, it, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't really an individual effort when, when Saints won last time. It, it was just a, a good collective team performance, you know. So no individuals really for me. I, you know, we know what Southampton will bring. It'll be a tough game and, and, and kind of a bit of a nothing to lose, maybe way to look at it as the, start, as the season starts. Everyone's going to put Tottenham down as their home banker. I think it's Tottenham, I have to say, if, 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 if it could be a really good atmosphere Saturday week because it will be Tottenham's first Saturday, 3pm at home over two and a half years wow. so it's quite incredible that stat. and I, I don't know the exact figures but i know it's over two um but obviously with europa conference league and europa league and covid and people not being able to go people have not gone uh to white Hart lane slash the ton hotspur stadium a saturday three o'clock for a long 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 time and there's a lot of traditionalists like at all clubs but there's a lot of people already talking about looking forward to that. So I imagine the atmosphere is going to be absolutely belting inside.
1: Yeah, I'm looking, I'm def, I'm looking forward to it myself going to the game next week. Um, before I get on to predictions for the game, um, you you just come back from Orlando, I believe. Mm. And uh, it was a bit of an interesting trip for you as a, <laughs> as a, as a Tottenham fan, wasn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, I actually covered Arsenal for the week. so uh, And then Chelsea turned up on the Thursday. It's quite funny, really, because um, I was in a bar on the Tuesday night and there was about, about nine Arsenal fans. I mean, the art of whispering's clearly gone. Um, I heard a couple of them say, I swear he's a Spurs fan. So I sort of turned around and sort of said, All right, lads, yeah, I am. Uh, but he ended up having a laugh with them, and uh, yeah, and I had a bit of a few like jokey photographs. And uh, it was even mentioned on Hawksby and Jacobs on Talk Sport, but uh, it's funny because I had a few messages from people saying, How can you be on a tour? An Arsenal tour as a Spurs fan, and my reply every time was, "It's my job," you know. So, <laughs> you know, you, it's it's crazy how people just find it so confusing. And 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 I have to say, you know, all the fans out there were, were great, and it was quite funny because when Orlando City played Arsenal, there were quite a few Tottenham shirts scattered around the stadium, which was really funny. So I enjoyed that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good tour. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, Arsenal uh, are, are even more excited than Tottenham fans this season. They really think they're going to do some good this season with Gabriel Jesus I mean we'll see I mean it's it's nothing better than having pre-season optimism and it comes crashing down on the first day I mean Southampton fans know about that Tottenham fans know about that as well so uh yeah I mean I can't believe how quickly this season's come around honestly unbelievable especially even with no like Euros or World Cup or anything to look forward uh, to have during the summer there was there's just been nothing you know so uh obviously we've had the women's over the last couple of weeks, but. um yeah, I mean it's 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 exciting times now with the Premier League coming back.
1: Yeah, pre-season optimism—we don't normally get that on this podcast, but um, hopefully we can bring a bit this season. Um, get, so, looking forward, looking towards the game now, what, what's your prediction? And also, where do you think Spurs will finish this season?
2: Uh, I think Spurs will finish third this season. If Conte, if Conte's there come May, that means things are going well. Look, we know he's a bit volatile. We know he likes to. We know he's got got it in him just to just to get up and leave, but I can't. I don't think you can keep leaving clubs early because ultimately you will end up having a reputation. I don't think he'll want that because he's got a very very good reputation. In terms of the game, you know I do think Spurs will win. Um, I, you know, Harry Kane. You know, against Rangers last weekend he scored two goals. One of them was just an outstanding finish. He's looking leaner than ever. Son's looking fit. Kudashevski will want to keep his place. I do think Spurs will put on a performance at home, so I'm going to go for a 3-1 Spurs win. However, if it, if it ends up 1-0 Southampton, Ward-Prowse 89 wouldn't surprise me either. That's Tottenham, and, I mean, that's the Premier League.
1: Brilliant stuff. Thanks for your time, uh, Bridgie. And, uh,
2: yeah, good luck for the rest of the season. Cheers, mate. Yeah, likewise.